Captain speaking with just a little flight information. We're flying at an altitude of 37,000 feet and our airspeed is 400 miles an hour. A couple little facts here. I'm packing a Colt King Cobra. That's a 357 caliber firearm with a black rubber grip and a six inch barrel. Capable of piercing body armor at a distance of up to 27 feet. And it can put a hole in human bone and flesh the size of the Grand Canyon, which, by the way, is coming up on the left hand side of the plane. So just sit back and relax and enjoy the rest of the plane. No, not you. Not you. Your organization's terrible. Should I tell you? Should I tell you? Oh, you Boy Scout, but you know life. You know life. You know I'm totally off script right now. Hey everyone, it is Sam Carliner and you're listening to News Dive, the podcast where we talk all things journalism, all things free speech, and cover underreported stories. Today we're doing a very exciting episode on censorship, on how tech companies silence activists. We have a very special guest that we're going to be interviewing pretty soon, but before I introduce them, I am joined by a special guest host for this episode, Allie Pierce. Allie is the co-creator of Fix NJ, Listen Up, a sister podcast of Newsdive, you could say. We've been talking to one another. I'm very excited to have her on the show. You can find her on Twitter as at Allie underscore Pierce. That is at A-L-I-E underscore P-I-E-R-C-E. Allie, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Sam. Thank you for having me on my first guest co-host invite. I'm very excited to be here. Um, You're the first person who reached out to me. So, of course, I had to say yes. So, thank you so much. It's very, very exciting to be here. Yeah, no, I've I've had a really great time talking to you out, outside of recording. Uh, been in touch for a while, so it's it's great to finally I have know. you. No, I, I feel like I'm gonna go through withdrawal after this. So you know, please come back or invite me back or whichever. Of course, we're all for the crossover episodes. Um, Love but it. I did want to have you because you actually came to me with this interview uh, that you said you had talked to our guest. Richie had told me that you had been talking to him, that he would be an interesting guest for our show. And then like right after you told me about him, Twitter banned him. So (laughs) I'm, I'm excited to talk to him about that. But just before we get into that, can you tell me a little bit about how you connected with him? Sort of what was the process of setting it up and why you thought he would be a, a good guest to have on? Sure, absolutely. I mean, it's 2020, so we've been having like 10 years in one day. So I have no idea which day, like I've noticed Richie, it's probably like a few months ago, but I've learned about him during one of our initial rent cancellations day of action on Twitter. So he was actually one of the people that not only stood out, but also gave me hope and humanity. So I started following him, he started following me, and here we are. With that, let's get into this interview. Hey, Newsdive. It is me, Sam Carliner. I'm joined by this week's guest host, Allie Pierce, and we are both joined by today's guest, Richie Serjenko, who we are going to be talking to about censorship. Richie, (laughs) thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. 
I would love it. I'm excited that we're talking about, I mean, there's so many things that I could talk about. Um, you know, censorship is one way to put it, uh, you know, we should, we should, uh, start calling it surveillance actually. You know, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, um, historical surveillance by, um, government entities on activists, um, throughout history, you know, and, uh, that hasn't gone away and it's, and it's not, limited to the federal government and like Pro through the FBI. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into it. We'll talk about it. Sorry, that, that, that was the intro. But yeah, no, I'm excited to talk about censorship and surveillance. Yeah, of course. I, I, that's, that is a main topic we want to focus on. But w- when we set this up, we were going to be talking a bit about your work. The, these other developments we'll get into happen. But I do just want to go over for uh, people to know why we're talking to you and, and why we're covering what's happening to you what what is your work you have a lot of background in activism can you just summarize some of it to our listeners yeah absolutely so i i haven't been in the organizing and advocacy space for very long but my my uncle uh stephen rivers who was a big inspiration to me growing up he's the reason why i moved to california i'm originally from massachusetts and if we have any east coast listeners i'm from chicopee massachusetts and so I moved to California to, to live with my uncle. And so he was a longtime activist with uh, Cesar Chavez, Jane Fonda, Tom Hayden. And so uh, that was something that I always had like in my blood and that I always wanted to do. And then, you know, I just, I had a in- interesting path to where I am in life, but my uncle passed away and then I, uh, I failed out of community college. Um, but then I went to Compton College to play baseball, and I met a radical anti-racist former Black Panther who uh, totally changed my ideology. Um, I became a radical anti-racist before I even became like a radical leftist. And then I, play, I played baseball, and then I graduated from Cal State Dominguez Hills, and I went to law school. I went to law school because I wanted to change my class, uh, my class status. You know, I grew up lower middle income. Uh, my dad's a welder. My mom is a, a nail technician who both amazing parents, but you know, it was always the American dream is always pitched to us as, as something as uh, achievable and attainable. And that's what I went to law school for. However, when I, um, when I, when I got to law school, I was so unimpressed by kids who grew up in wealthy households and, you know, it changed, you know, my worldview kept developing. And by the end of my second year of law school, I really like, I was like, okay, I don't even want to be a lawyer anymore. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to work in entertainment anymore, which is what I went to law school for. Um, but I stuck with it and, uh, I worked at a law firm post-graduation for a year. And then after a year, I was like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And, you know, I've always been very tapped in, um, at a very national level for politics. Um, I have a decent understanding of politics, I have a decent understanding of theory and ideology, but I was never that tapped in with local politics in LA. But I had just started to be, I uh, just started organizing with Sunrise Movement LA. So then I quit my job and I was like, I'm just going to do this full time for the time being and, you know, I'll figure it out. That's just, you know, what what my my thought process was. And it's it's gotten me to almost less, less than a year later, I'm getting arrested. Uh, I'm being targeted by LAPD both in person and online. I was also being targeted by the sheriffs online. Um, and so, yeah, my, my heart is in like climate justice activism. And, that, and that's why I, I got involved in movement spaces because, uh, you know, just the realization of what's going on right now with the climate, it, it, it made me leave uh, my office job. And I was like, you know, something needs to be done about this. Um, but also, uh, 
felt like I've been very involved, you know, since like March with like housing ad- advocacy and organizing and activism, you know, around like rent cancellation and um, evictions and housing the unhoused. Um, and then, and then uh, because I got involved with that stuff, I got involved with the movement for Black Lives and um, I've been working very closely, excuse me, not just me, my group that I'm a part of, People City Council, has, who has a very large uh, Twitter presence. Uh, we got involved with uh, this thing called the People's Budget LA Coalition, led, led by Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter invited us in. Um, and so I've just been doing a whole bunch of uh, advocacy and organizing work recently. Well, you touched on a lot uh, that I do want to follow up on a little bit. And I'm going to start with the least relevant to our listeners thing, <laughs> which is that my mom is from Chicopee, Massachusetts. What? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> when is I, it? Did, did you know I was from Chicopee before this? I actually had no clue. And I just texted her. Admittedly, while you were talking, I texted her. I was like, you're from Chicopee, right? And she was, she's losing her mind. So That's funny. Yeah. Um, if and you know, she may know my family, Serjanko. Um, you know, my 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 uncle was very well known in Chicopee. Uh, this is a different uncle that I that I moved to California with. My uncle George. Um, he's an inf- infamous person. He uh, went to jail a few times. He was a professional football player. Um, so she may know him. Wow. Uh, well, I guess I guess that's a, a fun little thing. But the <laughs> sort of the more important thing that I I did want to follow up on is you mentioned that you're being targeted by LAPD. And I did want to talk because it's hard to keep up with what different protesters and activists, you know, are experiencing in different cities when every city is, is working to suppress organizers and activists. So I'm hoping you can give at least a, a some more insight into what it's been like for LA protesters and organizers yeah for sure and so just with the groundwork that like you know i i before before this year like the end of last year i was involved with a bunch of civil disobedience with sunrise and when i was doing that i did not feel any kind of surveillance or you know i knew i was i would put myself um in uh certain situations where i was risking arrest Um, That's one thing, but I never had something where uh, the cops were extremely aware of who I was. But, and then also like in Los Angeles, this stuff that I'm thinking and going through isn't unique to me. Um, There have been organizers in LA that have been doing this for a long time, Uh, like Black Lives Matter LA, Melina Abdullah, she um, is an inspiration and someone I look up to, but she, you know, she's had to deal with death threats. She's had to deal with, you know, being charged with conspiracy to, to a felony conspiracy. And so um, LAPD is also the most murderous police force in, uh, in the country. And there's nothing new that, that's happening to me. LAPD works with uh, or, or uses a technology called Palantir that uh, ICE uses and you know, that they, they can track phone numbers, they can track license plate numbers, they can track everything and it puts it all in the system and like for, for that person, also who that person has connections to, Twitter profile or, or social media profiles, who that person interacts with on social media. Uh, and so, yeah, we, all of that is happening and it has been happening for a while. It just had, you know, you have me on and I can discuss like what has happened to me personally. I just, I love it. It's just like such a breaking story and so crazy. And the next thought is, are we going to be on Twitter tomorrow, Sam? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, get you're you're involved with me, and who knows? Yeah, who knows? yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, can you explain? Can you explain to our listeners what Ali means by that? Well, yeah. So my personal Twitter account is now permanently suspended. I'm tweeting from uh, my boss's Adriel's account. Uh, just just for background, and so people know what I do professionally. I'm a digital media consultant. Digital, excuse me, digital media strategists is, is what we like to say. And I work on, I work on Twitter. I work on Facebook. I work on these social media platforms. So me getting, me getting kicked off at Twitter is like kind of bad for me, but also, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this, but, uh, so I've been quoted in and featured in multiple news articles, LA times, Buzzfeed. I post elected officials home addresses and phone numbers on twitter and you know people listening might be thinking that is what some people like to call uh doxing however in california there's a thing called the brown act and elected officials information is public information so i kept getting flagged on twitter for posting quote unquote private information about individuals and i understand that like twitter terms of service is different from my rights as a as a civilian as a constituent in the united states right twitter is a private platform they have their own thing however the reason why i was suspended permanently suspended is because i posted the sheriff's address and they mass reported my account and maybe i could have potentially gone away gotten away with just posting the address but that day on twitter that i got suspended um well we had flooded the sheriff's instagram live and he read one of my organization's tweets live on air. And so he, they were aware of us all day because we, we, if you see the videos, like we hopped in his mentions and we're just blowing him up and he couldn't focus. He, and it was, it was really difficult for him to focus. And so anyways, I got a bunch of screenshots or um, a bunch of the recording and I kept posting on Twitter, like, look how fucking dumb this guy is. Sorry, can I swear on this? Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, oh we, uh, but you have, you might want to air it later. So I, w- I won't swear too much. I won't swear too much. Mm, um, we'll, se- we'll censor it. We'll, okay. we'll, we won't censor it. We'll bleep it. You know, okay, cool, but, cool. Yeah, if you want to use it later, because uh, I do swear a lot. I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you would know. Um, no, we love when people swear. Uh, we, we, whenever someone curses on the show, we censor it with Bernie Sanders saying billionaires. So yes, it's a good opportunity. I love, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, I was, just, I was just like posting these clips to the sheriff, making fun of him. Like, this guy's fucking stupid, because he is. And there's a, a maximum IQ level that you have to have as a cop. Like, they're, they're the dumbest fucking people on earth. I was just making fun of them and they mass reported my account that day. And so I got permanently suspended and Twitter is saying that I posted the private uh, information of an individual, but one, the Brown Act in California, which Twitter is located and headquartered in, um, states that uh, public uh, elected public officials, their information is public information. If you search the address that I posted for the sheriff, his name will pop up on Google and his name, his address has been posted on flyers. And so, and also we just posted a flyer for a protest at the mayor's house the other day with his address on it. Is that doxing? That, that's his quote unquote private information. So it's not. I didn't, and I didn't call for violence at, this, at the sheriff's house. I didn't call for property destruction. Um, it's well within my first amendment rights or anyone's first amendment rights to go protest at an elected official's house. And so that's public information, and I got permanently suspended for it. We had, I mean, this is a thing on Twitter. I'm somewhat follow the the activist spaces. I don't somewhat. I'm, I'm in the activist spaces. Um, but 
uh, and we posted a poll on our account. Have you have you experienced any form of censorship from Twitter? And like just under fifty percent of people either have had an account an account banned or at the very least their actions limited. Mine mm-hmm. was limited just for replying to a bunch of Mike Bloomberg tweets back when he was running for president. So <laughs> that's funny. It it is a common problem. And you talked a bit about how it's a detriment to you as someone who relies on Twitter for your work, but I'd love it if you can also explain how this is a detriment for activists who are trying to make social progress in the country. Well, yeah, and also, like, um, it's dangerous to me because, um, you know, and we can talk about this potentially later, I was uh, targeted by LAPD on May 31st. For anyone listening, uh, that was a few days, uh, that was the George Floyd solidarity protest in Los Angeles. And there was a bunch of footage that came out from that weekend. But I was the first arrest that they made at the intersection 3rd and Fairfax, which a lot of us, thousands of us were at. And all of us have horror stories from that day. But I was, I was the first one arrested. I was, I was tackled. Um, I, was, I, I was tackled by two cops. I was dragged on the ground and I was hit while I was on the ground. And yeah, my and buddy- Yeah, that's life. Yeah, yeah. So was, I was completely mortified and I actually reached out, reached out to Matthew E. Cherry. He was the one who had the list on how to bail people out. So then I gave it to you guys mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. guys were like, oh, we actually, are, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So that, and I, so I was, I was filming on Instagram Live when I got arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, and so what? It, um, the reason why I'm saying, you know, my Twitter getting banned is dangerous for me is because I got targeted that day, and LAPD had known who I was prior to that. And then when I say that they track our social medias, they do track our social medias. Like I, I like prior to that point. Um, I had been involved with People's Budget LA, led by Black Lives Matter LA, in a fight with the city about the budget, about the police. And I call into city council meetings. I, you know, I, I had a relevant, or, or as, as far as locally goes, like people knew who I was on Twitter. I tag LAPD and stuff. I, when I see them in person, I talk shit to them. They don't wear masks. So they know who I am and they do enough surveillance on my group and me personally that I know they track our social medias because they, they've called us before, they've sent us, they say, they've sent us emails. So they, they surveil us to whatever certain extent, we're, I'm not entirely sure, but that, the cops know who I am. And so I got targeted that day, I got arrested. And that was when I had that platform on Twitter, you know? So what happens when my, my platform gets taken away? The feds are in LA now. NYPD just arrested a tra- an 18 year old trans activist. It wasn't the feds that, that it, excuse me, arrested, kidnapped like yesterday. I don't know if you all saw the video. Yes. And that was NYPD, that wasn't the feds. And so if, if that happens to me, which is entirely possible, like my platform is now taken away because I, I took on, I confronted and took on the sheriff, a cop. And so it puts me in danger. And, to, and Donald Trump is allowed to be on, on Twitter. Uh, the white nationalists and, and neo-Nazis are allowed to be on Twitter. But something that is well within my rights as an American, I'm, I'm permanently suspended and it actually puts me at risk. Now, here's a funny thing that you mentioned earlier. It's the power of our government can ruin you financially, criminally. However, you still get a jury of your peers and representation. But with these tech companies like Twitter, there is, doesn't seem to be a, a due process. Now, I mean, how bad right. shit crazy is this? Sorry, Sam. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. 
I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it 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 actually I, is in, insane. I just um, feel like they're under the impression that they can do this because they're a private company. But I mean, what about monopoly? And I understand that the law in monopoly weren't re- really written for massive tech company. And quite frankly, we really need to amend some laws. So we should really get on that. But it's just absolutely insane because it's like, how about the phone company disconnecting my phone call just because I say F Trump <laughs> and they, yeah. the owner didn't like that, right? That's a good point. No, so it, it's, it's true. It's, it's pretty jerry if you think about it. And it's pretty alarming. And I really think that everybody should be alarmed uh, when Twitter does a thing like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they, they should. And yeah, it, it is pretty scary. It's, it's very scary. I just, like, I just looked at Twitter for a second. The Adriel's account today, the Lefty League, uh, Adriel's uh, PAX account, and People's City Council, they all got flagged. And then also, I, uh, the reason why I was looking at Twitter is because other group members that I'm a part of, their accounts got flagged. All Members of People's City Council, their accounts got flagged, and they just had to go through that verification check as well. Okay. And so that's another form of monitoring and surveillance. Right. Um, I- and I mean, even I had issues, like I told you, like when, when you guys were doing the free Richie hashtag and I decided to like try to like or retweet, I yeah. couldn't. So yeah. I had to get out of my account, log back in. It was like my account was being owned by someone else. It was absolutely pure insanity. Yeah, it, 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 it's scary. <laughs> and so Twitter, Twitter is the, the right and conservatives try to make it seem like social media has some left bias, but... I think it's pretty clear, at least given my respective situation, that that's not entirely true. No, I mean, you have been digitally targeted, uh, eliminated. I mean, I can even say assassinated by Twitter. <laughs> no, don't so say that. It, don't say that. <laughs> I mean, um, your identity. Don't give Jack ideas. <laughs> no, no, like we don't want that. But it's just like absolutely mind blowing. Well, I wanted to I wanted to go to something that you touched on, which is the uh, again the how much bias to the left, how much bias to the right, and as you said, some people would call what you did doxing, but you explained why it isn't. But there is a whole debate around doxing right now. What constitutes doxing? And I want to talk about the stuff that the right does to. Mm-hmm activists and i don't know how much you know about that the the right people using social media uh are you able to talk about that at all and yeah you're talking about andy now and i'm talking about andy now he he provides kill sheets (laughs) to fucking uh right-wing neo-nazi groups at azulam or whatever the fuck their name is yeah andy no provides kill sheets pictures of activists and organizers that get arrested and the most recent example, I don't know if you know who uh, Molly Conger, um, her uh, at is Socialist Dog Mom on Twitter. Don't know if I know that one. I follow so many socialist various things yeah. on Twitter. So she, so she's kind, of, she's well known because um, she's in Charlottesville. She and she's like a local reporter in Charlottesville, and she, she's an overall badass. I, I followed her for a long time, but. She, you know, she talks shit about elected officials. She talks shit about the, the uh, white supremacists in, in Virginia and things like that. She got arrested the other day, likely an unlawful arrest and whatever. But then Andy No, and because she has a much larger Twitter presence than I, I think she probably has like 15, 20,000 followers. Andy No took a picture that she had on her Instagram or on her socials and then put up her, her mugshot. 
and did a little thread uh, on her. And Andy No is, is known for working with white supremacists, providing kill sheets, and he just took a relatively prominent uh, leftist organizer activist, put her face on his social media that is followed by right-wing crazies, and, you know, I, she posted a screen, two screenshots immediately thereafter of people making threats to her on social media, like saying they're going to blow her head off. And so wow. that's fucking bullshit. And that's not what I did. You know, we have a First Amendment right to protest. There's also the, the protections in California about elected officials, public information. That's all we did. I didn't, I didn't call for, I wasn't inciting anything, but this guy fucking post pictures of Molly, put her name up uh, on his Twitter that is known for, um, you know, the, these right-wing crazies and the group, the, uh, group that he, he leaks to, to create kill lists. And so why is, well, how does he still have a platform? Right. And in addition to that, we also have to take into account that it's COVID-19 pandemic. So yeah. if you can't go to a gathering, you may want to express your beliefs online, just like, you know, an assembly online. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. can't have your rights taken. It, it, it's, it's really just kind of like, is it like a civil right violation? Yeah. Why shouldn't yeah. everyone have a voice online? So that's kind of like, you know, the question. It, you know, it, it absolutely is. It's uh it definitely is some some sort of suppression. It's like you're saying, Ali, like the, the COVID crisis, these people, these elected officials aren't necessarily going into work every day, right? They're not going to an office every exactly. day. Their home mattress could be considered their office. And exactly. so mm -hmm. I think, I think uh, Twitter has a very loose application of, of these standards, these terms and services. Right. And it's, it's kind of like seems as it's suppression of the First Amendment rights. We do live in the digital age. So, I mean, they're protesting the streets, but what if I can't go and I want to express my opinion? Are you just yeah. going to go ahead and terminate me? And then even deleting an account or suspending, it's, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, it's literally like they are taking a piece away from you, especially if you use yeah. it for work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And using it um, for what people like consider very valuable source for uh, information in Los Angeles. And right. so we, when we did that free Richie uh, Twitter storm, uh, the, the hashtag trended number three overall in California, or excuse me, in Los Angeles. Um, and after I think, you know, four hours, there were a total of like 3,000 tweets. Uh, with that hashtag. And so like that is like a kind of a good sign that people like want my account back. And it, it's a, it's just a suppression of free speech. And you know, if Twitter actually cares about that, then they, they, I mean, they don't, but uh, <laughs> they don't care about that, right? But. Right. Well, well, here's funny. Here's this is what's funny. Like yesterday, someone retweeted an old tweet of Seth Rogen, the actor, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he just posted on Twitter, I've been DMing with Jack about his bizarre <laughs> need to verify white supremacist on his platform for the last eight months or so. And after all the exchanges, I've reached a conclusion that dude simply does not seem to give a fuck. So yeah, no, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually really true. Um, and it's sad. You know, I mean, you want to be able to log in, 
use Twitter for work or for whatever reason and not like, you know, be silent. Um, did you at least receive like an email from Twitter stating this is what you did? Yeah. Or was it like something where like go figure out, you know, what you did? No, yeah, no, it was, uh, I got something from Twitter saying that, you know, I, uh, let me pull it up. Like I got um, said that I was like, I had violated the Twitter rules too many times. I mean, I, I did, I have preliminary violations of this supposed rule. Right. Um, but, well, everyone does. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And I feel like the more followers you have, the more in danger you are. So yeah. I don't even want to have followers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had that account for 10 years. I've had it since uh, January 2010. Yeah, they they took down a 10-year-old 10, 10 account. It's just, it's ridiculous. So when you go through the food chain at Twitter, like, what are you right now? <laughs> Can you even talk about it? Uh, about what? About Twitter? Like, where are you on the food chain with them? Oh, where, like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, uh, I, like, like in, terms, in terms of your peeling. Oh. How um, far did you made it? Yeah, so I, I mean, it's still permanently suspended. I, I put in appeal in like five, five amendments. Um, also, like, you know, I, I sent them all the Brown Act information. I sent them the Twitter storm information showing that, you know, like we, we went, we were trending. And then um, Adriel also sent out a press release because he got, he got, um, a lot of press coverage for a stunt that he did taking on Facebook. And so he put that information out to out to all of the journalists that covered that and a bunch opened the story and like messaged with him, but none have really covered it yet. So we'll we'll see what happens. So I just became aware that Twitter monitors email addresses, your IP address. So there is no way of creating a new Twitter account. Is this like something that you're aware of? Is it true? It is true. It is true. Wow. There are potential potential ways that we can get around it. I mean, there are not really ways to get around it, um, but there are, there are potentially ways I could use accounts on there. I know you were using one account that they just recently also blocked that one. Is mm -hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like we, yeah, before we hopped on they flagged all of the accounts associated with People City Council, the group that I'm a part of, um, and the, but then also the account that I've been using, my boss's account, Adriel, they, they flagged his account as well. Um, it was temporarily restricted. It wasn't suspended or anything, but sometimes they do do that. But yeah, so that I was just at a protest. I came back right now. Um, but when I got back, people were texting me saying like, hey, like this account is flagged right now. You know, they're, they're keeping tabs on enough of us. Now, I also learned that Twitter is being given a special protection, which I guess it's not new, but it's new to me, uh, by our government under Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act, in good faith, um, that they're acting as a platform. And I'm just like a bit confused because they kind of seem to act more as an editorial than a platform. So. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you know, like they have been given like this sweetheart deal, but they're not really a platform. It's just like, you know, bizarre. They have Twitter and Instagram and like Periscope. So what are they? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, a, a discussion that's happening um, on the policy end. I know Elizabeth Warren had discussed it when she was running for president. You know, big, big tech is kind of unregulated. There's a lot of uh, it's that that uh, industry is not regulated like at all. Oh, great. 
Um, so all big tech, social media included, but I mean, Amazon works with uh, Palantir and Amazon works with uh, ICE, the government agency, yeah. uh, giving them information. And so as far as our data is concerned, and then Facebook with Cambridge Analytica, there's like, we don't, we're, there's no like privacy uh, for us in America. Like, honestly, there isn't. Right. Um, across all tech platforms, including social media. But then, yeah, as far as the discussion about them being a publisher or a platform, whatever they are, yeah, there, there aren't much regulations on that. And like you said, that they are skirting a certain uh, part of the law in, in quote unquote good faith. But yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not as- Well-versed. Tech, yeah, I'm not as uh, diverse and, and knowledgeable on, on that end, but I know that, um, Big tech isn't regulated. Right. I mean, I even looked at the Twitter's terms of services yesterday for a bit. And it's just like, my question is, is it false advertisement? I, are all these tech companies like Twitter making deceptive business practices? I'm it's sure just, they are. <laughs> it, yeah. It's just like, you look at all these things and everything is very vague. Like even yep. if you're like trained in low, you still don't even know like where to go. Isn't that crazy? And then to add to insults, like you, Richie, like you have been banned here, so you have a higher risk of being banned anywhere else. So that's like yeah, another thing yeah. that they're adding to this insanity. Yeah, we, um, yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really tough. So speaking about being tough, um, is there like anything that people can do to support you? You know, they can, they can tweet hashtag free Richie, um, but... I think they can, um, you know, follow me on, on this account. I'm going to have for, you know, another week or two. Um, but they could potentially see me, see me elsewhere on Twitter. But if they follow People City Council uh, on Twitter, it's PPLS City Council um, or Angel Hampton on those accounts, you will likely be able to find me eventually somewhere. Well, since you can't talk about it on Twitter, I would love to or at least on your account, I, I would love to talk about the work that you're doing. So you mentioned you've been doing a lot for Black Lives Matter, uh, I believe Cancel Rent as well. Do you want to talk about um, some of what you've been up to lately and what you plan on? Yeah, doing? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If that, if that interests you. Yeah, no, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, yeah, People City Council came out of um, the need. Well, it, it developed because elected officials in Los Angeles were in March were prepared to like not enact any any tenant protections, um, basically. And so we started. We um, I wasn't a part of the original organizing crew. Uh, some organizers from the LA Tenants Union they started organizing car protests. Uh, the first one, the first two were in front of the mayor's house and I went to them and um, I thought it was really interesting. And it was, it's a really, a car protest, a unique idea. Um, I had never been a part of one. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. And you know, another, another way that Twitter is super powerful is that uh, that's how I got connected with these organizers that, that started, um, started the car protests, uh, Nicole and Jacob. 
And I saw them on social media. I was like, Hey, like, I love what's going on. Like, let me know, keep me in the loop or like, let me know if you know, you, you can do any more or if you need help planning anymore. And so that's how I got connected with them. And it eventually grew into people city council. And the reason why uh, people know us is because we show up at elected officials houses, uh, either on foot or in, in cars. And we make a bunch of noise and to disrupt them because uh, an article that got written about us in the LA Times recently, it specifically got written about uh, People City Council. Elected officials were saying what we do is dangerous and um, could lead to violence. Um, but that's, it's not true. We don't call for that. There have been no examples of violence or destruction from anything that we do. But it is them that actually perpetuate violence. Um, LA County has over 60,000 unhoused residents in right now in the situation that we're in up over a hundred thousand, 300,000, potentially up to 600,000 and potentially even up to a million by the end of the year, uh, residents of LA are going to be evicted from their homes. And so that's why we do what we do. But when I talk about violence, three unhoused people in Los Angeles, uh, every day die because for a variety of reasons, um, but they don't get the services that they need. And so when city council or there's a, there's a shelter in place order from the state, well, how does someone who doesn't have shelter, shelter in place? How, how, do, how do the unsheltered shelter in place, right? And so that, that's been part of our demands um, about seizing the hotels. There's this thing called Project Room Key where the city has agreed to fill 15,000 hotel rooms with unhoused residents. That project was developed three months ago and 3,000 of the 15,000 of those rooms have been filled. And so these elected officials in LA, they don't do their fucking job. And also when I talk about violence, um, over 600 people in Los Angeles over the past seven years have been shot and killed or excuse me, have died at the hands of the police in Los Angeles. And none of them have been prosecuted by DA Jackie Lacey uh, or mayor and none of them have been prosecuted under Mayor Garcetti's uh, tenure. And so when people say things about our group showing up to people's homes or releasing their addresses or releasing their, their phone numbers, we don't cause violence. It's these elected officials that um, uphold liberal white supremacy and racist systems that actually perpetuate violence. Like the mayor and city council were prepared to give LA, before we started this budget battle, like they were prepared to give LAPD $3 billion. And this is at a time where uh, all departments are being cut. LAPD was getting $150 million, $150 million raise. That's basically the whole premise of, of what we do is, is centered around what is like, I imagine you live in New Jersey and you think, you know, California is some progressive place and Los Angeles is a progressive beacon and, you know, it's just so good there. But when you really look at it, you know, liberal white supremacy, uh, it causes almost just as much damage as, uh, you know, as as uh, you know, Donald Trump would. Well, so. I want to I want to read a some info I got from an infographic. I believe the source is Lasha.org. The sources are Lasha.org, UCLA.edu, and Urban.org. Not sure which of these uh, contributed to this specific fact, but that 
as of 2016, black people represented only 9% of the general population in LA County, yet they make up 40% of the region's houseless population, mm-hmm. which I, yeah, no, I think that just is to your point that, I mean, it's, it's already bad enough the harm to have anyone be houseless, but that there is very clearly a direct racist impact of it. And we see very similar over here, New York City. I mean, I'm not sure how much you paid attention. We just had the protest at Mm -hmm. City Hall to try to get them to defund the $6 billion NYPD budget, and they didn't. (laughs) So it is, I think it is worth talking about how the the liberal cities are some of the most disproportionately when it, some of the most systematically racist mm-hmm. and classist yeah. places 100% 100% and yeah to to those points you know skid row i'm sure you're familiar with it's like you know the where a lot of unhoused folks live in downtown los angeles skid row is 70% black when we talk about like america being uh, a racist place donald trump didn't invent racism in america Racism is baked into our our culture, um, and these racist systems uh, are baked into our culture too. And right. so, COVID o- over uh, impacts or, or the numbers uh, disproportionately impact Black and Brown people. Like you mentioned, the unhoused stats disproportionately impact Black and Brown people. Policing, the prison industrial complex, all of these impacts black and brown people and my general ideology is that i want to fucking burn these systems down you know being a white male like regardless if we burn these systems down i will i will have a, a, an amount of um privilege regardless but like um i don't i don't want to live in a place where these systems grant me all of these privileges is significantly more than uh black and brown people and then you know I mean, this, this point goes back to a few things we were talking about, about the feds uh, being in, in places and being surveilled and stuff. Uh, and I, I think, I'm, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but an 18 year old trans activist was arrested by New York PD, excuse me, not arrested, kidnapped. Did we talk about this? Did I talk about yes, this? We did. You mentioned it a little bit, but that was a big thing. Uh, actually, I wasn't super close with her, but she was someone who, when I covered the Occupy City Hall protest, was there uh so so it's this it's it it hit different to have it be someone that you like talk to that like Mm -hmm. and you very much know is not violent uh right not that not that i think they had any credibility to call her violent but especially to like talk to this person like see how they are protest it's like yeah no no shit they're not violent (laughs) like (laughs) but uh yeah so if you want to talk about that that's very much on on my radar at least yeah, I mean, that's just like a, a targeting of an, uh, an activist that people know. And so that's why like, I'm uh, generally concerned when I, go, when I go to protests like now, after I've been arrested and now seeing what happens in Portland, now seeing that th- this activist was, was kidnapped in, in New York and knowing the amount of surveillance and knowing that um, a lot of this police budget goes to like these tools that they use uh, to, to like track people, different technology and stuff like that. 
And so we've been working hard on like defunding the police. You know, part of defunding the police is like, why do they need all of these special technology that they're, they're using to spy and track on their constituents? Like that's why, why, like when we talk, when people talk about policing and why police exist and why they're here, like to quote unquote, protect and serve, which obviously they do not, but like, why, why are the police, uh, you know, a military and militarized equipment and have tanks and things like that? Why do the police like have, uh, why, why does a local police department use the same kind of tracking and data software that ICE uses? you know, their, their purpose isn't really here to protect and serve. Their purpose is to like, um, you know, be violent and dangerous and harass and terrorize people. There's no good reason why LAPD should get $3 billion when uh, we have 60,000 people living on the streets, right? And where more than half of the people in Los Angeles have lost their jobs, likely unable to pay rent, could potentially be evicted, hundreds of thousands of people potentially evicted. Why not take money and put it into into those other things? Um, and so that's been, yeah, that's, it's just, the whole situation is crazy, but it's, when you think about it, um, these systems are all wrapped up together. These systems exist to like uphold capitalism, uphold racism, and they they all work together. So, so a theory of change uh, that Sunrise Movement has is that 2021 is going to be a year of non-cooperation and mass civil disobedience. And studies have shown that if you get 3.5% of the population into the streets, then you can have a successful movement. So 3.5% of the population in America is 11 million people. Uh, in my old uh, Twitter bio, you know, I said, let's, let's make direct action, Paul. We can force change because as proven, change doesn't come from an electoral or policy standpoint. Change will come when people are out in the streets ready to burn shit down. Uh, And they're burning shit down in Minnesota, they're burning shit down in Portland. Philosophically and uh, theoretically burning systems down, you know, systems of like policing. Um, And if if you're not enraged, you're not paying attention. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Richie, Um, thank you so much for the leadership. Uh, Let us know how we can be supportive. Sam, thank you so much for inviting me on your show. It's, it's been a blast. Thank you, Sam. Um, and thank you so much for putting all this together. Yeah, thank you both so much. I really appreciate having this episode, being able to cover this. It's something I've wanted to talk about on the show for a while, and uh, I couldn't have had better guests. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Anytime. Keep, keep in touch, and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. I'm looking forward to the episode.